Good evening, it's Jen here. It is April 5th, it's a Tuesday. Um, I read a quote by Alok Vedmenin. He's a writer, a performance artist, and a social media performer. Um, I believe he identifies as transsexual, and um, he's really just brilliant and doing a lot of great work for the trans community. Um, I was first introduced to him on Glennon Doyle's podcast, We Can Do Hard Things, and then I've since been following him on Instagram and following some of his work, and he really is so eloquent in how he talks about the issues surrounding um, the trans community and what they're facing. And um, I wanted to read his quote. So he says, I take a lot of comfort in how Amanda Gorman calls the U.S. a rough draft. As a writer, I understand intimately how we are all works in progress. We are all in constant states of revision and becoming. As I study the history of eugenics, I've become increasingly skeptical on the emphasis of the emphasis on perfection, which I understand as yet another iteration of loneliness. We are perfectly imperfect and we need each other to live our best lives, to access truth, meaning, dignity, and purpose. And I feel like he just encapsulates so beautifully um, everything I've been talking about up to this point in my video or audio recordings because, you know, that perfectly imperfect, we all live these lives where we're trying to do the best we can do and we're trying to succeed and we're, we, we all have goals and we're always going to have times when we fail or when we fall flat on our face or whatever. And, you know, there's no community right now. I think more um, being more trivialized and more oppressed and more attacked than the trans community. So, his words are extra meaningful right now because he is speaking from a place where, you know, he was taught to, he was taught, he grew up being taught that everything that he felt and was and embodied was bad or a failure or um, even sometimes invisible or a sin or, or whatever, all these crazy ideas that humans like to place on other humans to other them and to make them feel less than or feel different or feel unincluded. And at the end of the day, <laughs> I've talked about this before, humans like to group and classify and tribalize and I think 
we're raised trying to fit in, trying to unify, trying to homogenize, and it's so boring. And I think there really is a revolution going on right now, if you're in the right communities, that are trying to amplify uniqueness and amplify our diversity and amplify our strengths as as standing in our own truth. And it is those differences that if we come together and use them for good can make us so incredibly strong as a community. Homogenizing and, you know, keeping people down and and keeping them from truly realizing their gifts is only going to hurt our our humanness and our community as a human species. So I I found it funny that he mentioned Amanda Gorman as well because I literally just watched last night her interview with Oprah that I think took place maybe in I want to say well probably a couple months ago. I'm not um, 100% sure when the interview was. It could have been more than a couple of months ago, but um, it may have even been a year ago because it could have been right after the inauguration. Amanda Gorman is um, the poet who was tapped and honored to give and, a, and address her poem written for the inauguration last year um, of President Biden. And her poem was so, 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 so good. And it really met the moment. And she's just this phenomenal 23, at least at the time of the interview, she was 23. And she's so wise beyond her years. And I highly recommend anyone who hasn't seen that interview, go watch it because she really is like the, like the future. And we need more people following in looking up to her as a role model as opposed to some of these other, you know, 20-some-year-olds out there. Um, I just think, oh, she really has it figured out in a way that I'm mind-blown as a 23-year-old. But anyway, I guess my point is, I... I'm so drawn to social justice issues because I just have this innate fire inside of me that when I see injustice and when I see inequality and when I see hypocrisy and unfairness, I get very just angry inside and I get... I. I want so badly to change it. And so it's really important to, this is why education is so important. So one of the, what I studied in my master's degree was language, English. I ended up getting an emphasis in technical communication, but the foundation is all, all comes from the same place. And I think a lot of people don't understand 
that language is a human construct, okay? So in order for us to name anything around us, to give it a name, to give it language so that we can speak to it, um, that was something that we created. So for example, we named a cat a cat. We named a couch a couch. We named a girl a girl and a boy a boy based on their, their parts. Um, we decided collectively and through a lot of, you know, evolution. And, and by the way, language continues to evolve because humans continue to give it meaning and to change its meaning and to evolve its meaning. So, um, you hear a lot about the, the binary and, and, um, how we classify everything as humans, because this is the way it was developed as one or the other. So there's that word other again. So if you're not a tree or a dog or a chair or a refrigerator, you're not those things. Therefore, you must be a cat. Okay. You're either this or the other. You're not both. Right. So we have this dichotomy that we've trained our brains to think like as we produce and learn language. The problem is there's a lot of gray area. And as you classify things and you learn this in elementary school, how to classify things, how to classify animals, um, you classify something as a noun or a verb, you classify something as um, natural versus synthetic. I mean, we were classifying things all the way up through our education to the most detailed things. And when you're looking at things like gender or sex or, you know, the different ways that we can identify as humans, um, we just follow what we were taught. But again, it doesn't mean that, you know, a century ago, there were just men and women, and they identified by their parts, and there were no such thing as gay people or trans people. That's not true. Those people existed. The problem is they didn't feel safe to live in their full self. Because as humans, we oppress people who are different. And we keep them confined and hidden or call them deformed or we call them um, deficient in some way and, and we, we name it as a problem or a disorder instead of celebrating that they might just not fall into a nice neat little box because I guarantee you every single one of us can think of some way in which we are classified where we can say I don't really exactly fall in that label. We can all do that. We all find ourselves at times, you know, what am I like for me, an introvert versus an extrovert. That's a great example for me that I was reading about recent um, in a book over the weekend. Because I consider myself, in fact, growing up, I always considered myself extroverted because I was involved in so much. I like to be around people. Um, And honestly, I think part of that extroversion was learned from my dad. And 
at the same time, as I grow older, I'm realizing that I'm actually quite a bit more introverted than I ever thought I was. And looking back, I think I was introverted in many ways, but I adapted to my environment and I became extroverted when I needed to be extroverted. So again, there's all this gray area around classifying people into all these different categories and boxes, and it does not serve us. Now, it can help when we're collecting data and trying to understand our humanness and our sociological impacts. And I mean, there's so many reasons why data is so important and studying a lot of different things, studying effects of healthcare, you know, there's so many things. Um, And I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but as we are relating to other people and as we are walking on this earth, we need to do more of letting those labels go and letting them drop away and seeing each person for the individual that they are and the uniqueness that they are and pulling out all of their strengths and celebrating all of their differences because collectively I think we're a stronger unit when we all have our own strengths to contribute to society and that includes our own perspectives this is why getting more diversity in positions of power is so important because they see perspectives that others don't they see perspectives that the more homogenous group of people does not because they're so stuck in their in their way of being I could go on and on and on and on and on about this topic, but I think we get stuck in our silos of thinking with the people we're around. And a lot of times we believe the lies that we've been telling ourselves since, or that we were taught as kids. And so. You know, I I listened to an interview with Ocean Vuong. He's coming out with a new book. He's a poet and a writer. And he made some comment about how, you know, he's um, also a, a queer person and he's also Asian. So he walks around the world most of the time in a context where people don't know who he is. They don't know he's a famous author and they don't know that he has a level of prestige, so to speak. So he experiences racism often by the simple fact that he's queer and he's Asian. But as soon as you put him in a certain context where he's up on a pedestal and he's got someone introducing him and he's speaking about this book of poetry that he wrote, all of a sudden, the same people who treated him like nothing on the street is now looking at him as a person of substance and someone that they should respect. As if human beings shouldn't be respected by the simple fact that they're a human being walking on this earth. And it's such a simple concept And yet, we can't seem to figure that out. 
there's so much judgment and bias. And truly the only way we eradicate it is through awareness and through education. And that is why I speak constantly about social justice issues, because if we're not continuously cognizant of it and not continuously bring awareness to it, we fall back into old patterns of bias and old patterns of prejudice. And we get caught up again in that groupthink. And I'm just so passionate about not only keeping my own level of awareness up and how we deal with other people around us, but bringing that awareness to others. I just think it's a, it's a movement that is, has gained momentum. Again, I, I obviously it goes through ebbs and flows and, and um, waves, but I do think that you know, it's back in the collective consciousness on a more aggressive way ever since George Floyd and ever since um, there have been all these attacks on not only women, but um, trans people and even the gay community in general. So I mean, wouldn't it be nice to come to a day where we don't have to advocate anymore? I don't think that day will ever come. But I, for one, will continue to advocate and try to keep it in people's awareness. Um, because, again, when one person's not free, nobody's free. There is always a way you can be othered. There will always be a way that you can be part of the out group. So when we allow it for one group of people... Just know that you're creating the environment to where eventually you will be that one that is in the outgroup. It is inevitable. The only way to have justice for all is justice for every single person on this planet. That's why we stress the rule of law so much. That's why we have to hold people like President former president Donald Trump accountable for breaking the law. He's not above the law. Nobody is above the law. If we make exceptions for one person, then we can make exceptions for many people. And then the rule of law means nothing any longer. And without the rule of law, we do not have a free society. I mean, what I'm speaking to is so complex and there's so many layers and there's so many tangents I could go off into to talk about why this is so important, but it's a really simple concept. Othering is toxic and we have to be aware of when we're doing it. So... I guess that's really my message tonight. I just, it's such a huge subject. I could, I could go on and on and on forever about it. Um, but I just think people need to be more apt to listen. You know, you hear so much, and I'm actually going to do a, a much longer more segmented and specific podcasts um, when I get that up and running on woke culture 
And I have so much to say about woke culture and quote unquote woke woke culture and the <laughs> the culture war that has been created around it thanks to the right. Um, but othering is why it exists. We need to be awakened to how we are contributing to this othering, to prejudice, to creating an unequal society, to oppressing groups of people. It's, it's about awareness. That's why it's called woke. Um, and it's never... It's never a simple problem and it's never a simple solution. It's very complex. That's why, you know, I think it's so easy for those who are anti-woke culture to minimize or to make fun of it, I guess, or to delegitimize it because for them, what they do is put it into very simple terms, very black and white really, truly straw man arguments about why it's ruining our country when really they're not taking into consideration any of the nuance, any of the complexity, any of the reasons that woke culture became a thing in the first place. And again, I don't want to get into that now because I am going to do a lengthy podcast on it. But... I guess my advice, if you want to be a good citizen, is to be curious about it, read stuff on it, really listen to people and to their experiences. Don't gaslight people in othered groups and tell them that they're not experiencing what they're saying that they're experiencing. Believe what they say when they talk about their experiences. Brene Brown said recently that we can't know what someone else is going through. We can't actually walk in their shoes. That's actually physically impossible. If you haven't experienced it, you'll never understand it to the full degree that you should or that you, you know, you would need to to truly be 100% empathic towards them. But what we can do is we can listen to their story and we can believe their story. We can believe what they're telling us about their experiences. And if you believe it and you give it credibility, then we can take steps to change it. But until we actually give other groups the respect and dignity that they deserve And hearing their stories and believing their stories, nothing will change. It's uncomfortable work. It's difficult work. But it's necessary work because, again, I come back to nobody is free until everybody's free. There is no such thing as a zero-sum game. If you gain, I lose. There's no such thing. This has been proven If we can raise one person, we can raise all people. The sum of us. 
Heather McGee. Education, that's what I would stress. You know, start showing curiosity, start thinking, what if, what if this person's right in their experience? What if I actually considered what they're saying to be true? And I hate to say it, but Fox News, their job is to continue inflaming each side until so that you we stay divided. That's their job. They're a propaganda arm of the Republican Party. Um, it's it's poison. And I'm not saying that mainstream media doesn't do it. I think um, there's a fair amount of that in mainstream as well. That's why you have to find truly fact-based news sources. And um, just FYI, just because a piece of writing seemingly takes a side, I think it's important to understand that responsible journalism will tell the truth. So there are going to be circumstances where they're going to lay out for you a story based in facts that leans one side, one way or the other, given that those facts point it in that direction. So to say that, you know, some media sources are leaning too far left because they're taking a certain side, well, it's probably because facts lead them there. And that's part of the responsibility of journalism is to tell that story accurately and truthfully. So a lot of times news stories aren't going to be straight down the middle where they don't pick a side because there have been plenty of times in history where the right was in the wrong and plenty of times where the left was in the wrong and we have to tell the truth. So sometimes that requires choosing a side. I think um, this is getting long, so I'll end it here. But I really encourage people to follow, you know, follow media influencers out there who are doing the work to advocate for their groups. Start following them and start reading what they put out and start listening to them. Start listening to the trans community. Start listening to the black community. Listen to the women who are speaking out regarding the attack on our rights and why this is so important to us and why we we have to stop it. Just listen. Listen to the individual stories. And you don't have to change your mind, but you need to be exposed to it. I read an article recently where they did a study and they had all of these Fox News viewers watch CNN instead of Fox News News for 30 days. And what they discovered was 
that these viewers started becoming skeptics of Fox News and realizing they weren't always telling the truth because they actually heard another side or another perspective to the issues instead of living in an echo chamber. It's so important to get your news from a variety of different sources that don't necessarily align with your political bent because there's so much manipulation out there. There's so much propaganda. You really, truly have to learn to think for yourself and to take in information skeptically and critically. So I'm going to leave it there. Um, I hope you all have a great night. Thanks for listening.